Yeah, God's an incredible God, and He's He's worthy of, of worship and praise. And thank you that that you let Him work in your life. Uh, Redbud's a a great great church, and uh, just the time I've been here, it's exciting to to look forward to being together and and to have you know friends of mine like some of the a couple of the guys who've preached or, or guys I know, and it's just great when somebody comes back and they says and they say uh, how great it was. To, to be with you, and it just shows that God's working through you. So thank you for letting him do that. It's exciting, and uh, God's got a plan for us. Uh, last week, we, we talked about a church that would be a worshiping church, a church like Isaiah. We looked at Isaiah and his vision of God. At the end of it, Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. Well, he heard the voice of God, and so today what God's put on, on my heart for us, for, for me, and, and uh, by his grace for you too, is for us to listen to him. And in Acts chapter 9, uh, this is a great story, the, the first part of it. You'll remember, hopefully, that the first nine verses are when Paul's traveling to Damascus. He's going down that road, and he's got you know, letters in his hands to, to detain and, and to kill people, basically, to take them to Jerusalem, and, and they're going to be... Uh, their lives will end, many of them. At, at best, they'll be tortured and, and have a difficult journey. Well, he's, God stops him on the way. He, he says, you know, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, well, who are you? And he says, I'm, I'm Jesus, whom you've been persecuting. And then Saul's stricken blind, stricken blind, and he's sent into Damascus, and he's, he's told to, to wait. Well, picking up in verse 10, Saul's been there for three days. He hasn't eaten, hasn't drunk. He's, he's praying. He's seeking God's direction. And in verse 10, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive sight. And Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard about, from many about this man, how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I'll show him how many things he must suffer for my namesake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he'd received food and he was strengthened, then Saul spent many days, or some days, excuse me, with the disciples at Damascus. You bow with me, please, as we pray. Dear God, thank you. Thank you for, for this story, for, for these men who were surrendered to you, who heard your voice. Help us here. And give us courage to respond. We surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Do you remember, how many of you remember when you were a kid, and maybe you did it recently, but, but I didn't, when you were a kid playing the game Simon Says? Have you done that? You know, and, you, I'm, and, you, and you know the kids still play that like we used to? The kid, I mean, you remember how it works. You somebody's Simon, and they say, they tell you to do something, you know, raise your hand, kick your left foot, or whatever. And, and the whole thing comes down to if Simon says do it, you do it, whatever Simon says. And if Simon doesn't say do it, you don't do it. So it, it really is a game that's basically saying you listen. You know, hear. Hear what's actually, don't make presumptions. When, you know, Simon says raise your right hand. Simon says raise your left hand. Now put them down. And, and we, we react. You know, well, that's not what Simon said. Simon didn't say put them down. I mean, that's basically, that's the whole game, you know, right there. And you know how it goes. You're, you're eliminating people. When I was growing up, and you probably did the same thing, there were a lot of times when my mama, my daddy, my teacher, somebody, you know, would, would say something to me. And I, I heard them. But I didn't really. You know, it kind of went in one ear and out the other. And sometimes if, if I didn't do something and they said, did you hear me? Well, yeah. And the answer really is I heard you. I just didn't do it. You know, really. And sometimes it's not intentional. You're, you're just, you're focused on something else. You know, they say something and, and you're just, you're going through the motions and you, you don't really hear. Like Simon says. Well, our, you know, last week we had Isaiah in the presence of God, and, and he said, here am I, send me. And we start here with Ananias. He's praying, and you know, the story, the, the back part of the story is Saul. Saul's been blinded. Saul's a murderer, a destroyer, an enemy of the church, an enemy of Christ and of Christians. And he's, he's off somewhere praying, and Ananias is praying, and, and God says this, Ananias? And Ananias said, here I am, Lord. You know, it, it starts off, and Ananias hears a personal call from God. Well, Saul had heard a personal call from God, too. The other people who were traveling to Damascus heard a voice, but they didn't see anybody. They didn't really know what was going on. And, 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 and God's talking to Saul in verse 4. He says, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? And then here in verse 10, he says, Ananias, a church that's a church of the living God is a church that listens to what he says and understands it in the beginning. It's, it's very personal. He, he speaks to me and he speaks to you. Now in my life, it's not always audible like, like Saul. He's going to Damascus other people with him heard the voice. It was obviously audible or God spoke to everybody's spirit together and they all heard it. But they heard him say, Saul, Saul. I've had people say to me often and I've, I've said it or thought it myself, God, if you, would, if you would just say it clearly so I could hear you. Or what I've said when I'm saying that is, God, you know, if you would just do like the sky rider people and ride it in the sky, you know, the planes that go and, and you, I mean, it's, you re, it, there it is. 
You know, you just read it. And I've said before, make it clear. And as I've, I've grown, and, uh, you know, one of my friends recently said something about, you know, back when you were an immature Christian. And I said, oh, I pray I'm more mature than I was, but there are days when I don't, I'm not where, I know I'm not where God would have me, and maybe I hadn't grown like He wants. And I'll pray to God often, God, you know, I'm, I'm dumb. Please make it clear. Now help me understand. Well, that implies that if God makes it clear that we're going to say, okay, like Ananias, here I am. Like my parents, when they said stuff, it was clear that they wanted me to cut the grass Saturday and they were gone. It, that's clear. But if I didn't do it, what it means is, I, yeah, I heard you. I just didn't do it. Well, in, in this scripture, Ananias hears him and he says, here I am. And the Lord said to him in verse 11, you know, God's always got a plan. And in, in James 1.19, the scripture says, be swift to, to, to hear, slow to speak, and, and slow to wrath. Well, Ananias is, is quick to hear. He's hearing. And the Lord says specifically, he tells him what to do. Verse 11, arise. Go to the street called Straight, inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he's praying. And in a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias, so he's seen you, coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive sight. So God's got a plan. He's got a specific plan. And when Ananias says, here I am, speak to me is, is what he's saying. Reveal to me your plan. God says, all right, all right, here it is. So when I pray to God and say, God, will you make it clear? Sometimes he uses other people who are around me and they'll say things like, hey, have you thought about? And I'm thinking, yeah, I thought about it. I just didn't want to do it. And God's using them to prompt me and encourage me and, and kind of goad me along the way. Other times God speaks in a, in a quiet voice inside my spirit and, and your spirit and he's saying to us, you understand clearly what I want. Well, in, in my life, maybe it's true in yours, it's a lot like what happened to Ananias here. God makes clear what he wants. Go to Straight Street, lay your hands on Saul. He's expecting you, not just somebody, you. And, and you're going to lay your hands on him and he's going to receive his sight. Now, if you think back a little bit, imagine in Ananias' heart when you've got a murderer and a destroyer that people are scared of and he's got the power to throw you in jail. This isn't a maybe. He could do it. He's got the power to throw a Christian in jail just because they're a Christian and God's plan that he reveals is my plan is for you to go to Saul. You know, if, 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 if I'm Ananias here, honestly, now honestly, my first response is, time out, God. W whoa, wait a minute now. And, and that's the, you know, the, the title of the sermon. God, you really want that? Is, really? You know, most of us would say, can, can I do something else? Uh, when my wife and I were called into the missions with the International Mission Board, a lady from my wife's home church came up, and she said, uh, this is 
it's terrible testimony in a lot of ways. She said, uh, when I was 27 years old, this lady was, was you know, senior adult, so I'm going to guess she was in her 60s or 70s, but I didn't know her personally. But she came up and she said, when I was 27 years old, I know God was calling me into missions and I was supposed to go and give my life as a missionary to Africa. And I'm looking at her thinking, you lived in a Pamplico, South Carolina your whole life. You just, you're telling me you knew what he wanted and you're telling me you didn't do it. And then she said, she said, thank you that, that, that you're doing what God's put on your heart. And I'm, I've spent all of these years, decades, wishing that I'd done what he wanted. Well, Ananias didn't make up his own plan and substitute it for God's. Because that, that's what I'm bad about. You know, you can look at the, the facts and the data and you can devise a plan. God shows you or me where he wants us to go or to be and how we want to get there. And then we decide, you know what, there's a better way. You ever done that driving in your car? You know, you, and particularly before GPS, you know, well, all right, we know the way we're going to go when you get lost and you're not following the main roads and you end up in the middle of nowhere. And heaven forbid that you stop and ask for directions. <laughs> you know, guys don't do that. You know, so what one of you was telling me recently, last week or week before, you were going somewhere or another, and you talked about running in the store and asking for directions, and I laughed and thought, yeah, I know your husband didn't do it. <laughs> you know, that we, we just, we don't. Now, that's, that's stereotypical and probably not accurate. You know, I mean, that's what, what people say. But for all of us, it can be. We don't want to ask for directions. And it even carries over into God. Now, we'd rather do it our way and do what we want rather than do what he wants. Well, Ananias, he convicts me here because God reveals what he wants, and it's just it's not good in the normal scheme of things. Go to the murderer and lay your hands on him. And the response is, he's here to lay hands on me. Why would I go there? Ananias, he doesn't know anything at this point. You, know, you and I can look at it. Oh, man, look at the story. How incredible that Ananias was the one that laid hands and prayed for him and, and, and Saul's life was changed and his name was changed later on and the, the great missionary was sent out and all these wonderful things that happened. But not that day. That day, the only thing Ananias knew was, he was a, Saul was a murderer. That's what he knew. And what you and I need to, to remember always is God's at work in ways that we often don't know anything about. In somebody's life, in somebody's heart. Well, at, the, at the workshop I did yesterday, one of my buddies came up and you know, I, had, I had made the, the joke. kind. I said, I don't mind people asking people for money if it's for a good cause. I don't mind it at all. And after everything was over, he went up and he said, I'll never forget the story. You were down at Beulahville and we were building a wheelchair ramp and you went to get the wood. And I said, yeah. And, th and that's pretty much all I remembered about it at that point. And he said, you went up to the cash register and some guy came up and asked you how you were going to pay for it. And I'm still, I'm, I'm just not remembering it. And Russ, Russ Evans said, and you came back to the site where you were and you, you said the guy asked you that and you said, well, I'm going to pay for it with Eastern Baptist Association's money unless you want to buy it. 
And what happened that day is the guy bought it. And I mean, you know what a wheelchair ramp cost us. So he spent a chunk. I don't remember, but it would have been six or seven or eight hundred dollars just like that. I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't. I remember it now that Russ brought it up, but I didn't remember it. Well, a lot of times, you know, God's at work, and like in that guy's heart, and I didn't know him at the point. I, I he was from Beulahville Baptist Church, and I got to know him later. I'd seen him, but I didn't know him. Well, God was in working in his heart, and the man told me later on, he said, God has blessed my business in a tremendous way, and the day you walked into that hardware store, <laughs> I had been praying that morning and saying, God, you've, you've blessed me. How can I pass the blessing on? And he said, and then you're at the counter, and you say, unless you want to pay for it. And he said, my response was, yeah, I do. I mean, I was just being silly, you know, to, to be honest. But God was working in his heart. Well, in this case, Ananias, he's, he's not being silly. He's being prudent. That man's a murderer. What do you mean? Well, God's working in Saul's life. He's changed his life, and Ananias knows nothing about it. So Ananias, in his prayer in, in verse 13 and 14, he says, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. So Ananias is doing what we do. He's clarifying for God what the situation is. I've, hadn't you done that? God, you don't understand. That's, that's what he's saying. God, you don't understand. I need to remind you, Lord, which is an oxymoron, your Lord, and you're going to remind him. You know, but I need to remind you that Ananias has got the power. and I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to put my place in, in God's hand, but I can imagine God looking and smiling and saying, you just you haven't got a clue what I'm doing, and I, yet I'm including you in it. He's saying to Ananias, I've got a task for you that you don't even know the bigger picture you think all you're going to do is to go pray for this guy, and I'm about to begin changing the world through that man. And you're going to be the first person to lay hands on him and pray for him. So he's given Ananias an incredible mission. Ananias doesn't know anything about it. But in his prayer, and I think God uses this to teach me and to teach you, we don't have to be scared to be honest with God. You know, when, when God reveals His will for us, like that lady that came to me the, you know, 30 years ago and, and didn't want to go to Africa, it doesn't scare God off when God reveals to you what He wants and you honestly say like Ananias basically said, Lord, I don't want to do that. But he's still got a willing heart. He's still willing to surrender to God, but he's saying, God, I, I really don't want to go to Saul because he might kill me. So in our prayer time, we can be honest with God when you've got fears and, and you've got obstacles that, that you see, offer them to God. Just lay them at his feet. Lord, th this is what my fear is. Lord, you've called me to teach a Sunday school class. You've, you might, maybe you know, for the graffiti mission trip in August, I don't want to go to New York City down. I don't know about that place. 
Leave it in God's hands and let God reveal to you. The neighbor across the street or down the road. You know, I, Lord, I don't know you. I don't think they like me. A few days before this, Saul didn't like Ananias. He wanted him dead. And Ananias did something that, that to me is amazing. In verse 15, God reveals to him, Go. He's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, children of Israel. I'll show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. So God's saying to Ananias, trust my plan. Just trust me. I've chosen him. I've got a plan for him. And the one who inflicted suffering is about to learn what it means to be my follower. Which you can take this verse and square it with some of the, the folks in our time who say everything's going to be great. We're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise when we follow Christ. That's not what he says here about Saul. He says, I'll show him how many things he must suffer for my sake. He said, it's, it's cost to follow me. Now, Saul never regretted it, but he said, it's going to cost him. But Ananias, you trust me. And in verse 17, to me, this is one of the most incredible verses in Scripture. Ananias went his way. So Ananias said, here I am, Lord. And when God revealed it to him, Ananias actually did it. He went his way, even with his own misgivings. He entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul. Saul had not earned that to be called brother. He, Saul had not done things that made Ananias call him brother. It's not the, the people I call brother, generally they're people I know, people I've got a relationship, people who are, are Christian brothers, and, and, and that's why I say it. At this point in time, Saul has been a murderer and a destroyer, and, and Ananias isn't aware of anything except that God said to go to him, and, and he's chosen him. And so Saul, uh, Ananias walks in and calls him Brother Saul. The humility and the trust and the courage that he showed. When I, I read that verse, I, I think about that, that in my life is tempting when we think about the, the generation spiritually that are coming behind us. And they, they may not be younger than, than you and me. They might just be a new believer, like in this case, Saul's a new believer. But they might be younger. Are we willing, when God's working in somebody's life, and God raises them up, and God reveals to our heart, this is a chosen vessel of mine, are we willing to just throw off the, the constraints and say to them, brother, sister, you're my brother and sister, and you don't have to spend a week or a year or ten years or a lifetime earning it, because Jesus said you were, you're my brother and you're my sister. Ananias did something that to me is incredible. He practiced a forgiveness that, that pushed aside everything Saul had done. He's, he's had people killed and detained. And Ananias walks in and calls him brother. Are there people in your life that in our honest moments, our painfully honest moments, we would say, 
you know, I know God's working in their life, but because of what they've done, I just can't call them my brother or my sister. And we're putting up a barrier that Ananias didn't right here. God's got a plan for the man he sent Ananias to. God's got a plan for the people that he sent you to. And he, he prayed for him and he said, The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me that you receive your sight and be filled with the Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. So when he prayed and received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Then after that, you've got Barnabas coming on the scene, and Barnabas does the same thing with the saints in Jerusalem, and he, he lifts up Saul and says, I can vouch for this guy. Folks, God's raising up people right now, and we may or may not who, know who those people are, but God's raising up people right now that are going to be his messengers for the weeks and months and generations to come. How exciting! That he said to you and me, would you, would you bless them and, and put hands on them and pray for them? Would you, would you bless them? And let me raise them up. Would you use the, the collateral that you've got, the relationships you've got? I had a, a, an encounter in, in my life. This is funny now, but it wasn't at the time. I was uh, talking to somebody once and uh, about a church I served. I was pastor of Great Marsh Baptist in St. Paul's. was there uh, five or six years, and we were talking about it and things. And, and the person asked me, and, and Jeff Broadwell was sitting beside me, and whoever I was talking to, that part I don't remember. But they said, what was your biggest failure at, at, at Great Marsh? And I said, well, to be honest, it was Jeff that I knew for two years God was calling Jeff into the ministry. I knew that that's the plan God had for him, and everybody knew it. But I felt like, you know, hey, they're, they're paying me to be their pastor. If I, if I have Jeff preach, somebody's going to get mad at me and say, that's Paul's job, why is Jeff doing it? And I said to whoever this was, I said, I, I failed that man because I knew what God was doing, and God called him into the ministry the week before I left, and of course I knew I was leaving, and Jeff came up front one night, Sunday night service. He came up, took me by the hand, and told me how great a friend I was, and I'm standing there thinking, I have failed you. Because, I mean, I knew I was leaving. He didn't know at that point. I failed you. And then Jeff started laughing, because, I mean, I really, it was a burden on me, because I'm, I'm thinking not specifically like Ananias and Saul, because Jeff was a great, he was the best Sunday school teacher we had. Well, he was a young man, and, and uh, they put him, the, the senior adult ladies met in a class right here off to the sanctuary, and, and we put Jeff teaching them, because he was the best teacher we had, and he knew his stuff, and when they questioned him, you know, and push back. Did, did Richard Weeks tell you about that teaching his mother-in-law's Sunday school class? Did he, did he mention the same kind of thing? Jeff's teaching the senior adult ladies, and you got to know your stuff to teach those ladies. That's what he did. He was great. They loved him. And, and I just let him teach. And, I, and all this time, I knew everybody, his Sunday school class, they knew one of these days Jeff's going to come up and say God's called him into the ministry. We all knew that. And I'm telling it, and Jeff's sitting there, and I'm just hurting, thinking, I failed him. I left and went 300 miles away 
And Jeff started laughing. He said, well, that's funny that you would say that. He said, because I've told people my biggest failure in, in my life and ministry was that you were my best friend for five years and I didn't take advantage of the fact that you were my pastor and to grow and, and to serve through you. And I said, well, but I'm the one who should have told you you're going to preach next Sunday. And Jeff said, I, just, I wouldn't have done it. And I said, oh, I know you because we were. I know exactly what you would have done. And what I would have had to do is say, Jeff, now you're going to preach next Sunday, and I'm going to sit right there. So if you don't preach, guess what? There ain't going to be a message. And he said, so when it came to the message time, I wouldn't have gotten up. I said, I know that. But after I sat there for a minute or two, you would. And the second time I asked you to do it, we wouldn't have had that fiasco. And I said, now, and I look at this scripture, and, and I did fail him. This, this isn't a joke. You know, He went and God called him, and he had to learn without really anybody there to support him. That's, that was my fault. So how many people are in your life that God's raising up and God wants you to be the, the mentor or the spiritual parent and, and you, you, you know, the age difference might not be significant, but, but God wants you to be the person that's there for them and to do like Ananias did, which is to use his spiritual collateral. See, that church, friends, they love me. And if I had said Jeff's going to preach, they would have, there were some people who would have thought, Jeff? But they loved me. So if I had used my relationship with the church, it wouldn't have been long, and they'd have been looking forward to when Jeff preached. Jeff's been a pastor for probably 20 years now, close to it. So how many people are there who are, are coming behind you that you can bless by, by being like Ananias, that spiritual giant who's praying and seeking God's direction and saying, God, Lord, here I am. What do you want? And when God says, I want you to go to that, that, that child or that student or that other adult, and I want you to bless them and pray for them and let me work through them, and I'll, I'll show you what I'm going to do in their life. Because another thing I love with this, this passage, and we don't really know anything about Ananias. Spiritually speaking and fame-wise, he, he, he's not on the radar. But the man God sent him to pray for is. The person God sends you to, to bless spiritually and to be the giant and the mentor and the leader and the friend they may do things that you and I could never, ever imagine doing. There might be that a generation or two or three from now, there's somebody that, that you laid hands on, like the pastor who, who led Billy Graham to the Lord. And he, that pastor was not unknown, but he nothing, he's nothing like you know, Billy Graham. Well, Ananias was nothing like Saul. Without Saul, uh, excuse me, without Ananias, Saul is a blind man in a room seeking God's direction. <laughs> Can you imagine the years that Ananias heard about and read about and went to worship and heard the stories of Paul's missionary journeys and he's thinking back, <laughs> that blind man who's absolutely helpless. 
And that he's saying, God, thank you for choosing me to pray for him and to lay hands on him and to baptize. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You see, our God's an infinite God. You know, last Sunday when we, we looked at worship and having that relationship with God, God's an incredible, infinite God. He ain't limited by you and me. He can do things beyond us, and, and He will. He will. So the question I, I want you and me to answer today is, are we willing to listen to God and to do whatever He calls us to do no matter what it is. It doesn't have to make sense to us. We're just following his will. How incredible, incredible, incredible it is to see God at work. You know, I failed Jeff. And I made a commitment after that conversation with him those years later. That was probably 10 or 12 years ago. God, give me eyes to see. See the people you put in my life, and by your grace, I'm not going to fail them again. Will you make a commitment that we're going to open our eyes to see who it is God brings in our life? And we're going to be the people to bless them, and then we're going to watch God send them off. And rather than being jealous that God raised them up to some, some great lofty heights and we didn't get that height, that we're going to see God raise them up and we're going to say, you go, you go, go God, go God. Won't it be amazing one day, a generation from now, when people look back at Red Bud Baptist Church and they say, out of that place, look what God did. Bow with me, please. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that, that you're not limited by us. That you can do things that, that absolutely baffle us. And God, you're raising up people you know, right now. That there are people in this room, in this community, in our lives and in other places. You're, you're raising up people. And God, help us be like Ananias who just listen to you and to be a church that's willing to pour your blessings out on people who may not have already earned it, but in whose lives you're, do, you're going to do incredible things. God, we don't pretend to know every way and every place you're working. But what we do know is that you're the infinite God who is working. We trust you. We trust your plan. And God, we're going to serve you. Give us eyes to see. Help us see you, Jesus. We surrender to you now. As we pray together in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Now maybe this morning you've thought of, of people in your life. They might be your children or your brothers or sisters or parents or somebody God's put in your life. And you've been praying God's working. You know people were praying for Saul. I mean, you know, you know they were. You know, God changed him, changed him. Well, God did. So continue praying for the people that God's put in your life that you're just, you're lifting up to him. And then as God 
pours it out on your heart to be the man or the woman who will, will reach out or the student who will reach out and, and bless them. To use the spiritual capital that you've earned in this body and in this community to bless somebody else and to give that gift, that gift of blessing and to see what God does. So as we sing in just a second, I, that's a chance for, for you and me to answer and say, Lord, I, give me eyes to see and then give me courage to do it. But you might be here this morning and you're really in the shape that Saul was when he got stopped on the road. And you've been doing your own thing and you've been following your plan. Today is a day when you can surrender it all, stop in your tracks like Saul did, because really you're, you're blind, you're spiritually blind, you're just doing your own thing. But God's got a plan for your life. It's not an accident. It's not just whatever you can develop. He's got a plan. But it starts with you bowing before him and saying, Lord, I'm open to you. Reveal yourself and show me. Which is what, that's what Saul was doing, praying. And God removed the scales from his eyes and Saul did what God revealed. So if you're in that situation that's spiritually blinded, and, and this isn't a moment for embarrassment, folks. We're going to celebrate what God's doing in your life. So in our invitation time for all of us, this altar is open, and I'll be at the front to receive you. As God speak into your heart, answer him now. Turn your eyes, our eyes, on Jesus. It's hymn number 413. Let's stand together now.